Welcome to Spoko Radio's Emergency Antonio Brown podcast. No, no, wait. I'm just, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. It's the Iowa Rutgers post game show on Spoko Radio on Blackheart Gold Pants. Guys, Iowa just finished a thirty to nothing win to start conference play one and zero this season. I'm joined by the people's champ David Johnson. Jerry Sherwin is stuck in Canada and he wasn't even able to watch the game because he's technically international. So it's just going to be me and Champ here getting you through the post game show. Champ, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Beautiful Iowa win today. Nice shutout victory. Feel bad for Jerome that he didn't get to watch his boy AJ just light it up today because he's in Canada and I guess they don't believe in football in Canada. Jerry's going to be able to talk some some trash to us on this next week's show because his boy came to play this week. But Champ, let's start things off with your tweet summary of the game. If you had a tweet to send out to summarize this game, what would it be? Take it away. I mean, mine is pretty short and sweet, and it's Rutgers is who we thought they were. I mean, they they had a huge performance last week. UMass obviously must be that bad of a team for Rutgers <laughs> to be able to put that many points on them. Iowa completely controlled this game from start to finish, both offensively and defensively. Rutgers is not a good team, plain and simple. We saw that today, and I don't think they're going to have many wins this year in the Big Ten, if any. They, I don't think they get a win in Big Ten play. Thing, yeah, things aren't starting well for Rutgers. My tweet summary was, who would have thought a MAC team would be a tougher opponent? And I think we kind of went into, maybe it was a little bit of an overreaction after one week, but on this show, these two guys, us two, talked about things that couldn't be repeated, and we were very, very hard on the defensive line, Second, and the secondary having to not be as sleepy as they were in the first week. And the boy, did they get pr- – I mean, they came to play this week – Completely, and it just again shows you maybe Rutgers needs to hire uh, Miami Ohio's coach to uh, take over and kind of instill some uh, rebuild, better rebuilding than what Chris Ash has been doing for Rutgers. Yeah, Chris Ash, that offensive line, it needs a lot of work. Yes, the Iowa D line is filled with you know stud players, naming AJ Epinesa. We already talked about how great he played today, but yeah, he, I mean, he controlled that entire first half. He was in the backfield the entire time. He's this is exactly. The kind of game we both were recalled wanted him to do this week. Jerry was talking about all how he's you know drawing double teams last week and was happy with that. I want a guy to wreak havoc when you're supposed to be a great defensive player and a you know perennial Big Ten Player of the Year. You got to have games like this. And he, I mean, that first half, second half, they probably let off the gas a little bit. I mean, they didn't give up any points, so that they didn't let off the gas too much. But AJ Vanessa was all over the backfield. They did. They ran some stunts for him today which was huge, got him in the inside interior, which I think he's absolutely dominant when he gets, you know, going against other teams' guards and centers, and he just played a hell of a game. Yeah, no, and that that's kind of my last point is, you know, shout, shout out to Phil Parker and, and the coachings to get some stunts, getting some things to get their pl- talented players in those one-on-one matchups that you know AJ's going to win. I mean, there were times where he was going on stunts and he would go wide behind the defensive line and just find find a hole that he could come and attack. I mean, he, and he's so fast and so athletic that he has the ability to make up ground that he gives up trying to find that hole in a hurry, and you just saw that repeatedly. So props, AJ Epinesa, the defensive line overall, just constantly in the backfield, getting to Rutgers quarterbacks all day long. All right, champ, let's go through, on this week's Boko Radio, previewing the show, we said things we wanted to see 
to kind of roll, continue to roll from week one into this week game against Rutgers and things we didn't think could be repeated if Iowa wanted to win. The things we wanted to see roll over were the distribution of passes to all the different receivers, the running game continuing to roll, that was yours, and Jerry was the O-line really still coming together despite injuries to Larry Jackson. Even Tristan Wirfs today was a little a little gimpy in the first half for a while there. Yep. But everything we wanted to see rolled right over. What do you want, what do you want to say about the running game? Uh, I mean, they, it wasn't completely dominant, but they did a good job with the running game. They spread the ball out. Makai Sargent had 13 carries for 59 yards. Torn Young had 9 carries for 59 yards. And Goodson had 10 carries for 53 yards. I mean, that's a perfect distribution right there, at getting all three guys involved. Goodson obviously getting a lot more involved in the fourth quarter when the game was pretty much in hand. Uh, but that, those are reps that he needs. He's a freshman. He needs to get in there and play. He looked good. I mean, that 19-yard run, I thought he was taking that to the house. I mean, he broke off that nicely. That was a great run. I mean, Makai Sargent looked good all day. I mean, he wasn't as involved today in the passing game. That's fine. I mean, they ran a couple screens to him. But for the most part, the running game did exactly what they thought. I think that they, they rushed for, you know, well over 150 yards. I mean, it, it's not I, – I think they were just short of 200. Yep, but 194. I mean, when, you're, I mean, when you're controlling the game like that, at the end of the game, Rutgers and everybody else knew they were running the ball, so they had, you know, eight, nine guys in the box to stop the run. So a lot of those, you know – end of game carries don't mean as much but yeah I was very happy that's exactly what I wanted to see and they continue to the the, the big thing about the running game is to continue to go to it not, not you don't necessarily need to have 250 yards rushing every game for me to be happy but it needs to be a balanced attack and that's exactly what it was today it sets up big plays to like the Amir Smith Marset play a nice play action going downfield the safeties come up and then you have the wide open field to throw to these playmaking receivers and it frees up a lot of things, so I'm, I was happy with the running game as a whole today. Absolutely. They had five yards of carry at the, as a final, as you mentioned, Champ. Those end-of-game rushes, everybody knows they're coming, so it took a little bit of a hit by the end of the game, but it was still five yards per carry, and that's something that that's a number that you want to see as kind of that benchmark in every game for Iowa. They didn't have a 100-yard rusher because they have so many different running backs to get involved, and the one thing that's going to go unnoticed that I really want to give Brian Ferris credit for is usually because Mekhi Sargent's the the better blocking back on third and long and third down passing situations. There were still plays where Torin Young was in there on third down on obvious passing situations and asked to step in and take a block. He, he hit one, but he didn't, you know, it wasn't perfectly executed. He did, you know, chip a guy, but like that's the type of stuff that you need to see. So you're not as predictable on offense. So you based on who's on the field, we see it yep. all across football. So just want to shout out there. And that goes right into champ. What you were saying on, on the running game, being that committed to it sets up the passing game. Nate Stanley, again, targeted 10 different receivers today. And 10 different guys caught caught balls from Nate Stanley today, which is exactly what we want to see. It's taking shots all over the field. You don't know who's going to be, who's going to get the, it's going to be whoever's open, not necessarily the same guy over and over again. So again, credit to Brian Ferentz. And I think that rolls into the, the running game, the receivers. Let's get your Brian Ferentz success meter this week, where are you at, champ? Do you need, do you need to refresh around the on the levels here? Uh no, I think I'm gonna stick exactly where I was last week. I mean, next Patriots OC, that's where I'm at. I mean, yes, he had. I think they had another great game plan. They primarily, you know, played well the entire game. I'm I'm not gonna go all the way to the edge because I'm. It was Rutgers, so the opponent wasn't as strong as you know we're gonna be facing later. So hopefully, I'm gonna be saving those. Uh, 
the next Iowa head coaching barometers for later in the season. But he, I mean, he had a great game plan. He, I mean, you could clearly tell as the game wore down that he wasn't going to, you know, they're not, we know Iowa's not a team that's going to run up the score and score 60, 70 points on teams. They just don't do that. So in the second half, they didn't really throw the ball a lot, which is fine. We don't need, uh, 30 to nothing is just fine with me. I didn't need it to be 52 to nothing or whatever it could have been. That was just fine by me. And, yeah, I mean, for the most part, great balance throughout the game, which is a big key to their success. I mean, they took a couple nice shots downfield today, which is what we wanted to see more of. Amir Smith-Marset had a great game, probably his best game as a Hawkeye today. I mean, receiving-wise at least. I mean, over 100 yards receiving, two touchdowns. He played great. And, yeah, Brian Ferentz, you did a great job today. So you're uh, you're at the next Patriots OC on my uh, success-o-meter. As uh, as usually the person who's in the middle between any kind of optimism and realism on this show, I'm actually the most optimistic on this Brian Ferentz success meter. I tweeted out my ranking since I missed last week's postgame show, but I'm sticking with it again this week. He's still your next Iowa head coach based on the way he is game planning, the, base, the way he's being way more aggressive. I know, Champ, you said that Iowa's never going to blow out a team. But this is the type of game where I would have been up 24 nothing, maybe 20. Like, it would have been, you know, t- early early in the third quarter, they would have t- kind of taken their foot off the gas traditionally. Mm-hmm. But you still saw Nate standing there, and you still saw him throwing downfield. And that's something where – that's all Brian Ferentz, I think, to me. I mean, if Kirk Ferentz had his druthers on, the, on how calling the offense, it would be to kind of run the ball and run that clock out and let's get on and move on with a victory. But Brian Ferentz – I think is really putting his like putting his foot down with what his, this offense is going to look like all year long. And you also going into hate week now, you could have gone very vanilla in the second half and saved some stuff for uh, Iowa State wouldn't have on tape. But mm-hmm. he didn't. He still he was attacking. And he, I mean that's all stuff I have been clamoring for even before we started this podcast for Brian Ferentz to show me, show me that pedigree that you have. And he finally is, and I'm so excited to see it. Yeah, and I mean, there was a couple sets today where we had two running backs in the backfield again. That's something that they did the, last week. The first touchdown pass. Yep, exactly. I mean, there was multiple formations, different formations, and that's what I, us as Iowa fans and Iowa fans throughout the country have been asking for is just some more innovation to this offense, and he's showing that he can do that. So I, I, everybody knows how critical I've been of Brian Ferentz, but these first two games he's been exceptional. Absolutely. All right. Let's go to the things we mentioned couldn't be repeated if Iowa wanted to win. And I think every single one of those things were hit on. The defensive line, this this was yours and mine, big thing going into this game. The defensive line had to show up, and they did, and then some. AJ Epinesa will get all the notoriety because he was constantly in the backfield. He was in the backfield so much that the broadcast was joking about guessing who was getting the next pressure and usually (laughs) always being AJ Epinesa. That's how much he was involved, but it was the entire line, and they were such an impressive thing. Phil Parker getting stunts, getting twists, getting guys, one-on-one matchups, creating pressure. It was awesome to see there was still linebacker blitz. Things. I mean, it was a great performance by the defensive line and those linebackers getting pressure and, and making Rutgers uncomfortable all day long. Yeah, 100% correct. That D-line created plays, not only getting sacks, 
tackles for losses, but creating turnovers with their pressures. And that's exactly what we wanted to see from them. So, I mean, if they continue to play like they did today, there's going to be a lot, a lot of frustrated Big Ten offensive coordinators after they play Iowa. Because if they can get that kind of pressure and it goes, it, I mean, it just makes the whole defense better. When you get pressure like that up front, you don't have to bring blitzes. I know they did a couple times today. They were well-timed. Uh, but then you have your linebackers just creating, making plays in space, and then it just makes your secondary better because you can have both safeties back there helping out your corners, making plays. We're hoping Geno Smith is okay. That injury, you know, late in the third quarter. Geno uh, Stone. Four, Did you say Gino, Smith? Yeah. I don't know why I said Geno Smith. I don't know. that bum quarterback. I don't know why I have his, his, his name on my head. But, yeah, Geno Stone, hopefully that's not a serious injury because he's an important uh, member of this defense. But, yeah, the D-line and the whole defense played awesome today. I mean, you shut out an opponent. There's not a lot more you can do, really. Yeah, they, they were exceptional. Lights out across the board defensively. Injuries champ, you mentioned Geno Stone being hurt. Tristan Wirfs was a little gimpy in the first half. We'll be interested to see if he's still healthy. You also saw Kevon Merriweather not start today because he had a foot injury on Friday in practice. So injuries are starting, and along with Alaric Jackson last week, Injuries are starting to rear their ugly head for the Hawkeyes. So going into into Iowa State, hopefully some of these guys can get healthy. Then they go right into the bye week and be ready to go for as conference play actually starts to ramp up. And the last thing I kind of want to bring up, Champ, is just the punting. The punting oh. is – it needs to be mentioned because on both sides, especially especially on Rutgers' side, but Michael C. Belton was also fantastic. But the yep. punting was just – I mean, impressive enough where – Iowa was constantly within their own 10-yard line for the fir- entire first half where the offense, and that's kind of why Nate Stanley's completion percentage is going to look a little bit lower than what it, it probably could have been or should have been because he was forced to take shots deep on the field, out of his own end zone, make some throws probably he wouldn't normally do because he's in his own end zone and he has to get rid of the ball. But, man, some of those punts were just, I mean, Michael Sweet averaged 48.3 yards a punt. Yeah, I mean, Michael Sweet Dalton is exactly what we thought he was going to be. He's a, a much... Better punter than that. I don't even want to mention his name because it just makes me sick. So we'll just go with <laughs> Michael Sleepdahl. I mean, he's so much better that he actually is a regular punter, not that rugby crap. And then Adam Korzak for Rutgers. If you pick a team MVP from Rutgers, it's by far Adam Korzak. I mean, he was just dropping the ball, putting it anywhere he wanted in the ten, inside the 10-yard line on like four and five different occasions. Iowa started inside their own five, let alone inside their own ten. It was crazy. I mean, I think he averaged, he had ten punts himself. I think he averaged right around, what did he ever? Right, right behind, yeah, 47 40, yards. 47.8 average on your punts. I mean, when you have two guys that both And he average, punted ten times. So yeah, like, he, ten like, it wasn't times. just like two punts. It was You would consistent. think like his leg would be a little tired by the end because he had so much action in that game. But uh, no, he just kept drilling them. I think he had like a 69-yard punt at one point. I mean, it was insane. He played awesome. Michael Sleep Dalton, the 27-year-old, you know, grad transfer, just looked great. I mean, and it's it's nice to have that weapon. I mean, it's good it's good to be able to punt and get out of your own, you know, end zone if needed or pin them back deep. It's it's an important weapon. I know punters aren't sexy, but as people say, punting is winning sometimes and Sleep Dalton was up to the task today. Yeah, absolutely. And constantly, when Iowa wasn't able to get the ball, kind of get a drive sustained because they were starting in their own end zone, Michael Sleep Dalton flipping flipping the field as best he could. You know, if you if you had those short punts where they're only 35 yards or 30-yard punts, I mean, Rutgers would have been in a much better position all game long to kind of make make this a better game. 
I mean, it's just so great that the only time I have to see Colton Rastetter is when he's holding for field goals. That's uh, that's the only time I need to see him. I did just mention his name now. I don't know why. He's just <laughs> was such a bomb, and I'm so happy to have a real punter. Overall, this game was fantastic. The one thing I will make a call out that needs to get fixed is the time, the clock management at the end of the first half. Iowa yeah. had a prime opportunity to put a touchdown on the board and took its time and ended up not having to catch it off for a field goal at the end of the half when they could have easily been a touchdown. And so, I mean, it's hard to get that critical when this offense was so great. Another game of 30 points on the board and... Again, passing the ball all the way around, running the games really well, the offensive line with a lot of guys getting experience and a lot of guys kind of moving around, in and out, playing really, really well. But that's the one piece, and that's going to be on Brian Ferentz. He has to kind of get a better job of managing that clock at the end of the half. They had two timeouts, chose yep. not to use any of them for whatever reason, and it ended up costing them an ability to get to score a touchdown. Yeah, that was that was a whole a very strange, you know, whole you know, about a minute and a half there where they run the ball, they get a first down, and then they just we we're all we're all like, what are they doing? Like, why are they like? And then of course you you run it down that much, and then you eventually get that pass interference call. You got a first and goal from the two, but you only have five seconds left, so you can't run it. I mean, you could have run one play and then could you risk though? if they. I mean, I would have kicked. I I'm glad they kicked the field. So goal, am I. They, you had to get points out of that because. With five seconds left, if you run a play and you don't score, the clock's going to run out. You're not going to have time to call timeout and kick a field goal. I'm glad they took the points, but yeah, that was mismanaged. That was, yeah, really my only critical thing of the coaching and the players the entire game was that series. But, I mean, it didn't end up costing them, but in future games, you got to be a little more, you know, proper with your time management there at the end of halves. Absolutely, but overall, great game. Lots of guys got some good experience. Spencer, Spencer Petras got got a few kind of snaps in there. The whole offensive line, as Jared pointed out on the show last week, the backup offensive line, a sophomore and four freshmen all got some experience today in a Big Ten game. That's huge. That's going to yeah, be a big for sure. thing for the, this season, but also kind of going into next season as these guys get some snaps, get some confidence, and kind of get some experience on their belts. It's going to be great going forward. Champ, anything else before we wrap things up this week? No, that's I mean that's a good call. Getting those young guys in in the fourth quarter, getting them some big time play. You know, got to see Petrus throw the ball a couple times. Looks pretty good, and yeah, it's only going to help getting these guys reps and you know getting them in there and seeing, and especially like you said in Big Ten play, it's huge to do that in your first Big Ten game to get you know pretty much an entire quarter of backup reps for these guys. It's important. Absolutely. All right. So Iowa starts the Big Ten campaign. Want to know they are first place in the Big Ten after two weeks of play. We'll talk to you guys again next week for Champ for J- for Jer. I'm DC. Go Hawks. Go Hawks. Two and zero, baby.